Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sicker Than Most. I'm your host, Steve, and today I have one of my great friends here in the booth with me, um, my buddy James. We uh, we at one point had the same sponsor. You know, we went through the same treatment center and everything like that, and he's, uh, you know, he's just a good dude. He's got a great story, um, and um, yeah, man, something, he has a story that we haven't quite heard on the podcast. He has a little bit different, um, you know, experience you know, with, you know, with his life and what happened to him due to his addiction. And he's going to tell you guys a little bit about that. So without further ado, James, what's going on? Dude? Yes, How you doing? Sir. Feels good to be back in Fresno. Love That's being right. home. All the way out here from, drove up here from San Diego. Yeah, Dago yeah. representing. There it is. So James, how did, how did your, you know, how did your experience with, you know, drugs start? Like, cause you are sicker than most of most of the motherfuckers out here, dude. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine it being like a, a slow progression. I feel like you kind of just hit the crowd running. So do you want to kind of share, share a little bit about that? Yeah, man. Um, to be honest, like I really didn't mess around with like anything in high school or anything like that. Like I came from a like, good middle-class home. My dad's a cop. Mom's a teacher. So, you know, I just... I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know your dad was yeah. a cop. My dad's a lieutenant. So, no way. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I really didn't mess around with stuff. Like, my dad, like, one time in high school was like, you you understand, like, if I find out you're doing this or that, like, it's going to be me and you in the backyard. And my dad's 6'9", like 300 pounds. I'm not Ooh. trying to fight that fool. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, I was kind of scared um, to really, like, mess up. So, I kind of, like, minded my own business in high school, didn't really mess around. And then when I graduated, I went to Fresno State and I joined a fraternity. And when I joined the fraternity, that's when I hit the ground running. Um, I've always had the issue of like not feeling uh, like me in my own skin. You know, I always felt like I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my identity. Uh, I always felt like I was like too black for the white kids and too white for the black kids, you know, like Oreo. So I I don't know. I just never felt comfortable. And when when you, um, your your dad's uh, black and your mom's white, right? Uh, no, my dad's half black, half white. My mom's black. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So um, when I joined the fraternity, I like I don't know. I found purpose. I felt like, and I felt like I needed to fit in. And so um, with that uh, came drugs. Uh, I remember my first, like, not even before I was even a pledge or during rush week. Uh, I remember I took my first Xanax bar. And uh, we were going to, like, you know, smoke weed. And they like were like, hey, you want a Xanax? I was like, sure, man, whatever. I blacked out, didn't remember anything. And all I remember, like, waking up the next day saying, I loved that. Like, <laughs> I needed more of that. And that just started the progression. Um, I know I didn't. I was I was afraid of Coke. I saw it my, my, my first week there. And I was like, fuck that. What are you guys doing? Like, I was, like, scared shitless. And they would I keep on asking, hey, you want, you want to do some Coke? I'm like, no, man. Like, no, nah, dude, I'm not putting that up my nose. And then I remember it was big bro night and I just got my big bro and I walk up into his room and there's like a plate with like six lines on it. And I was, he's like, yo, I got this for you. And I was just like, fuck it. I remember doing my first line and that shit was laced with Novocaine. And I remember my whole face just got numb and I was like, yeah, this, this is what I need right here. Hey, so it wasn't like just fire. Yeah. Where it made your face. It was like, that would oh novocaine heavy dog like cut cut yeah like from like your your forehead to oh your, dude to your chin chin just oh, frozen no. dude just frozen so like i don't know uh after crossing over like becoming a brother like it just went downhill like and i and fast like got to the point where i was taking like 20 bars a day was doing like two grams of coke a day 
I was taking acid like four times a week. How did you support that habit? That's a pretty gnarly habit. It is an gnarly habit. Um, so like a lot of my fraternity brothers are not from Fresno. So they all needed drugs and I knew people to get it from. So I was oh. I was middleman in the game. Like there I didn't is, pay for dude. any of my drugs because like they would want stuff and I'd be like, <coughs> All right, like I can get I can get it for you for like seven when really I was getting it for four. So I was like making money to support my habit um while getting them their stuff. So like that's how I really was able to support my spiking habit. spiking the price up oh, and then God. like getting into their bag too. Ah too die. Little skimpy dude. Skimping it, dude. <laughs> Always. There it is. So um did the did the party scene like did you ever outgrow the party scene at the frat? At the oh maternity? yeah, totally. Like when there when we had parties, like I wasn't out there. Like it was me and my boy, and we would be in, like there's so the fraternity had a basement with like rooms in it, and we'd be in the basement and we'd be off Xanax sipping lean, and we had no reason to go up to the party. We're like fuck that. Like we don't we're cool down here being fucked up. Like a couple times we'd go up and like see the parties and stuff and like have our double cups with us everybody knew what was in them like stay up there for like five minutes we'd be like all right we have enough of this let's go get fucked up and just go downstairs and fucking get slaughtered <laughs> get sloshed so um after you know after um you know the party scene you kind of outgrew the party scene and then you're just getting fucked up on was it prescriptions maybe yeah prescriptions maybe. uh and in, in the basement too. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy um what did it like were there some signs where it started getting bad like at that point or did it not get bad till like later on oh definitely there were signs it was getting bad um i couldn't go a day without anything like i had to have something in my like system just to feel normal and then um when like shit really hit the fan was when um oh, one of my boys overdosed in my room and passed away um and that's when shit really hit the fan for me was he in the frat no he wasn't just a homie just a homie yeah, yeah. So what happened? Were you guys? Um, yeah, we were just getting fucked up, and um, the dude uh, he had a boat uh, of Zans, which is like a thousand Zans, and some of them were pressed with fentanyl, and he uh, ended up taking a, a wrong pill and was out. So it was like fifty fifty chance yeah. that you didn't know what bar you were yeah. gonna get, and like it was crazy because he was slinging to a lot of people out here. So like a lot of those Zans were pressed, and you didn't know like what you were gonna get. Damn. Yeah, part of me seems like that's scary, but then like you know the drug addict inside me is oh, like, yeah. dude, that could be kind of a you could turn oh, that into yeah. a game. Like, yeah, like, like I didn't, you know? I didn't care at all. Like when I did Zans, dude, like I did them all. Like I didn't care if they were pressed, if they were scripts. Like if you had them, I wanted them. It's like that Matrix thing, like red pill or blue pill. Yeah, dude, it was like Russian roulette. I was yeah. like, oh, like you know, this could be my last one. Could not. So when your friend passed away, did that? start to get the ball rolling in your head that you might need to change or was it kind of more just like that that incident made you want to just go that much harder like just numb out all those feelings and everything like Uh, that totally totally because like when that happened like uh i feel like everybody in the fraternity kind of like turned their back on me and so i didn't have any friends out here why was that did they think that it was you no it was it was just like it brought a lot of heat on the house so like they were kind of mad at me like they knew like it was like it was just a fucking fuck situation, but like it brought heat on the house. So they all kind of were just like fuck James, like you're a fucking fiend, you're an addict. So it kind of like turned their backs on me, and like I had a lot of feelings about the situation. Like it was sad as fuck. So like and I've never lost anybody like that was like close to me. So um, it, it kind of just I hit the ground running, and I, it was over. I was just trying to numb everything. I didn't want to feel anything, and it just kind of progressed and progressed. So after that, did you leave the frat? Yeah, yeah. Like officially, I officially or just, kind of, okay. just dipped out, and I was just staying at my parents, trying to lay low, 
and yeah, I just it, it was it was all bad. How how did the uh, were you still going to school at the time? Yeah, too? I, I was still going to school, but okay. not I. It was funny, like I was a straight A student in high school and everything. My first semester in college, straight A's. And then as soon as I started like, you know, dabbling, my grades went to shit. Um, I failed the last three semesters I was there. Like I'm on academic probation over there now. So it was like I had classes, but I just wasn't going like telling like my job and my like parents that I was going to uh, class and stuff. But I was really just getting fucked up. Right. Right. So they get, you know, gets a good alibi. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, what did what did life look like from that time you left the frat to the time when you got clean? Because how 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 long was that before I met you after your friend passed away? Okay, when, when I met so you in treatment? I left the frat. I want to say in January of 2017. So like, I I went to treatment in September of 2018. So for that whole like year, I just. I was just, I, I worked, I was working for the uh, school district. Oh yeah. yeah. Your mom's favorite educator, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Hit me up on Insta. Your mom's favorite educator. <laughs> <laughs> I was working for the school district and, um, I had a caseload of 90 at risk youth. And so I was like mentoring and counseling and helping these at risk youth. And then like on my breaks, like I'm in the bathroom doing lines off my phone. Like my addiction. Were they high schoolers or middle schoolers? Uh, I had uh, elementary school, high school, and middle school. So it was like fifth grade to twelfth uh, grade. Okay. So I had like a mixed caseload, and so like it's crazy. I was living like a double life. Like, like what at one day moment in the day, like I'm helping these kids, you know, like giving them uh, tools to succeed, and then the next minute, like I'm popping bars or like doing lines off my phone in the bathroom, like just trying to stay well. Wow. Wow. And then. Um... So that was that whole year after. How did you land that job? Just um, like new, new people. Yeah, in the right I, uh, it was. So it was. Yeah, the right place at the right time. I saw one of my old teachers from middle school, and she was actually running the program at my old high school, and asked me if I needed a job. And it was funny. I literally just quit biology because I was like, I can't do this anymore, and, <laughs> and it just like kind of lined up. Uh, and so I got that job, and then I was working at Buchanan, and then I ended up getting a promotion and going to Clovis North. Uh, so, wow, so you, you're probably killing it then if you yeah, got, if you went it from, was, it was crazy. Like I was, I was, um, interviewing against people with their masters and counseling and masters in education. And I'm here with not even a BA, but a nice drug habit too. Oh, a very nice drug <laughs> habit. <laughs> and then, um, when you're, when you're in that, when you're in that, you know, that I guess it was probably like a more like high or fast paced job. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, were you able to succeed for a little while because of your drug addiction? You know, because sometimes like, you know, in early, not early addiction, but you know, sometimes in people's addictions, right. You know, you get to a point where you use the drugs to perform better. Exactly. Yeah. Was that kind of how, yeah. it, how it was? It was like, um, as, as soon as I did some Coke or I, or I popped an Adderall, like I'm, I'm ready. Like I want to, I'm going to help you, 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 like I, I'm Superman. I can do whatever I need to do. So it's like, I would always like have the uppers and then like at work and I'm like, doing everything and up going up up and be above like and then like i'd be home from work and i'd take downers and it was just like a cycle okay and then when um when did that turn on you um like when did it you know when did it become like you you know you can't do anything now without uh, the drugs it was like so it was it was like august of um last year and it was like just getting like school had just started and I was already like missing work because I was like up all night doing coke with the boys and like it was just becoming like super hectic and I was just like I was missing work. I was uh, slacking on my caseload and I was just like I need help. 
Is that and then that's when you uh, reached out and tried to so get treatment. So I didn't I didn't reach out because my parents like I, I knew I knew for like two years I needed help. I like but like I, I everyone who I'd seen that's gone to rehab like it relapsed immediately. Like I've never like in my experience before I, I went to treatment I'd never saw anybody go to treatment and be successful. So I was like. There's no point in me going to rehab because what, it was that like work. frat boys that would go to rehab? No, no, just or? like people I knew from like high school and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. So like, um, I was like, it, it doesn't work. And plus, like, my parents have like a really high standard of me. Like, I'm the oldest child. Like, I'd always been successful. Nothing is really, really ever, you know, gave me any trouble. So I was like, I, I can't reach out to them. Like, I don't know what they think of me. Like, they're Christians. Like, I, I just, I didn't know what to do. And then, so I reached out to my grandma who's in recovery. And, uh, she told my parents and like, they didn't believe her. And then they're like, you need to search his room. And so, uh, my dad searched my room and it was funny. I, I started selling Xanax again, like probably like two days before he searched my room. No. And I, I, I had nothing on me before that. And my dad searched my room and found like 500, uh, GG Xanax bars. And like, I came home after a, like a long night of doing Coke and, uh, I was a missed work that next day, and I told him, "Oh, I'm sick." My parents were mad, like, "Why are you missing work? Like, you, you don't. It's a school. Like, it's, it's like a weekday. Like, you you can't miss work." And I came home, and my dad was home when I got home in the morning, and he's like, "Like, I think you need help." And I was like, "I just broke down," and I was like, "I, I do need help." He's like, "Okay, like, I'm gonna search some places. Like, I want you to give them the call, and I like, I I want you to get go to treatment." And I felt just such a big relief because I was just like, I didn't, I didn't know he was going to react. Like he's a cop. Like, like this dude puts people away, like, you know, for doing drugs. So it's like, I, I was like, there's no way he's going to understand me. And he was super like loving and uh, kind about it. And so he gave me a couple places. And so I called a couple places and I ended up talking to Scotty Sample at my time. And I was like, all right, that's where I'm going to go. But I, that night, um, I was up all night doing Coke. So I was like, oh, I need to get down. So I took like... I probably like 12 bars because I kept on forgetting how many I was taking and I ended up like ODing. So uh, I had to go to the hospital and they put me in the psych ward. So I couldn't go into treatment right away because my spot was filled because I was gone in the psych ward that night. So I ended up uh, staying at home and drying out for a couple of days and then uh, I ended up going uh, into treatment like that Sunday. Wow. Wow. And then, so I know you have a little more to your story too that I want to get into. Um, about other stuff that you know you got into after right yeah. so you know you're pretty successful when you first got into treatment right and then um and then like what happened to like causing that next like relapse after that because you know that's something that's like i don't know i feel like it's it's not talked about enough like what like the whole like everyone says like keep coming back but like in reality, like you can't just keep coming back. Like you have to do something different if you relapse. Yeah, right? exactly. So, like, what kind of like, what did you have to do? So I like got sober and like I got ended up getting ninety days right after I got sober and uh, everything was going good. And then like I was like, you know, like I had a problem with Xanax and Coke and acid. I didn't have a problem with weed. So I was like, you know, maybe I can start smoking again. And my sponsor at the time was like, dude, like it's not going to work out for you. And I was like, no dude, like I, I honestly think I can smoke weed. And like, I still wasn't giving up that power. I wasn't totally surrendering. So I was like, dude, I, I got it. So at this time I'd, I'd gone back to work at the school district and I started smoking weed. And, um, at first it was like, I would smoke like, you know, a couple days a week at nighttime. And then that eventually turned into smoking weed every day. And then that turned into me not getting high anymore from weed. And I was like, oh, I, need, I need something else. 
And so that evolved into me going back to Coke, back to Xanax, and just my life crashing and burning quick. Like, because um, when I started doing drugs, it was like, you know, it was cool for a little bit. But like, as soon as I relapsed, like everything went to shit fast. Like, lost the job. Like, I was starting to lose like material things. And like, that haven't happened to me before. So um, I, I stayed out for a couple months and I ended up going back into treatment in February of this year and then I got out and I was good I got a new job everything was solid and then I relapsed again because of the off the same thing I was like oh maybe I can try smoking weed again and I think a big thing that um led to all that was I had a lot of yets like I was like I, I I still was very arrogant and I thought that I can do it all by myself I was like um oh I'm not as bad as that dude like I'm not over here like putting heroin in my neck like I'm not over here smoking speed like I'm not like these kind of drug addicts like you know like I'm a high class drug addict I I did Xanax dog like I'm I, I can smoke weed <laughs> <laughs> right and so but that's the delusional oh thinking. yeah 100 you know I'll tell you right now dude like Xanax is brutal you know fucking it's not you know what I mean yeah. but that's our mind like telling us like no, like I'm not that bad. Yeah, you know it's fine. Just coke every day, yeah, Xanax right? every day. Coke, have lines waiting for me when I wake up. Oh, it's not. It's not an issue. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> not not major. And then fucking then you're 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 in treatment again. Now, after this, you know, I definitely want to talk about your most recent relapse yeah. because that when I got the call from you, I think you expl- you you explained to me what the fuck happened, and I was just like, damn, like there there it is. Yeah, you know? because. You know, part of me wanted to think that you did just have like a Xanax and Coke problem and you could smoke weed because I want I want everyone to just be happy. Right. Yeah. And if they you know, if they can do it, they could do it. But like then when you told me like what happened in the final relapse and I'll let you explain it. But then that was like, damn, like I'm just glad he's alive. Like, yeah. And I'm glad that it, it took what it took. So like how, what, you know, explain to our audience kind of like what happened, like that the progression of this. Disease. So it was crazy because like. You told me uh, one time we were on a, we went on a fishing trip and you were like, James, you're a heroin addict. And I'm like, no, the fuck I'm not like, yeah, I took like oxys or I've taken like Norcos and stuff. But dude, I'd never fuck with heroin. You're like, James, you're a fucking heroin addict. <laughs> and I'm like, no, bro, bullshit. <laughs> and then this last relapse, um, I was living in a sober living and one of my roommates, uh, we were like kind of smoking weed a little bit, just dabbling. And he was like yo, do you want to get some H? I'm like, like, like tar. He's like, yeah. I'm like, fuck it. Let's get some H. <laughs> and <laughs> which I don't like, I like, which is crazy. Cause like all those yets, like literally led up to that. Like, so like I ended up smoking heroin with him and like that led to me, like being in a McDonald's bathroom, like smoking heroin. Like it led to me, uh, Going, showing up to my job high as fuck and uh, I had a, a driving job at the time so I would deliver on track or Amazon or FedEx routes uh, up to like Northern California so I showed up to work high and I was swerving on the 99 like people were like sending videos and calling my boss because like I was a danger not only to myself but to everybody around me like it just like took me to a deep deep bottom that I hadn't felt before and it was it was insane how quickly it happened. Damn. So I didn't even know about the ninety nine. That's yeah. great, dude. That's I'm I'm just glad you're alive, bro. That's just no joke. So um what happened after that? 
like what after like you probably obviously lost a job right yeah lost a job for sure so what 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 made you you know i'd like to like to think that everything's just like yes as soon as i lost the job i fucking yeah got sober and i'm like never touching drugs again but i you know so like i lost the job um uh in my heroin xanax blackout i broke up with my girlfriend um everything just went to shit like i at this point like i'd never really lost anything lost anything before and like at this point i lost everything like everything was gone like um my parents were still like you know helping me out like they were being supportive but besides them like every everybody was gone like i i was alone and i was in a deep bottom and i was just like fuck this dude i can't i can't live like this anymore it's not i can't do it so i'd like i decided to go back into treatment and while i was in treatment um I had the option to move down to Southern California. And I was like, I honestly don't have anything for me in Fresno right now. Like I can't stay sober to save my life out there. Like I'll get some time. And then I end up going hanging out with the, the old friends. And then I end up relapsing. Like my, my ex, like we're not together anymore. Like that's really was like the main thing keeping me in Fresno. And it's like, I don't have that anymore. Like I lost everything. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and move down to Southern California for a little bit. And we'll see like how that works. And it seems like it's working pretty good. Uh, dude. It's uh, it's solid. Dude, like. <laughs> I, got, I used to get so jealous, man. This guy would send me like like videos and shit. He's like, "Bro, look at how close I am to the beach." And I'm like, "You motherfucker, <laughs> dude! Like, <laughs> how like you you know like you got this like dope ass spot, but it seems like it's really working for you." you yeah, know? it's just and I don't know what I, is what is working for you specifically this time because obviously like the beach helps. Right? Yeah, obviously, but yeah. The beach ain't gonna keep no one no, sober because no. we all know how great it is to get yeah, fucked up at the exactly, beach, exactly, right? Um. I think this time, like that desperation, uh, it and that pain really drove me into my steps. Like, like losing, um, like, a, like you know, someone that I cared about a lot, losing a job, like losing friends. Like, it really put a lot of pain. That like, like I was like, I can't keep living like this. Like, if like next thing I know, like I'm gonna be putting a needle in my neck. Like, cause I, I was like, no, I'm not a heroin addict. And then I'm out here smoking heroin. So like I was like you know I gotta like I gotta do something different like before the times I got sober like I I was bullshitting my steps like you know I was kind of half-assing it I was like I can't do that anymore like I have to put the effort that I did in like you know finding my drugs and hustling people like into the program like if if I do that I I gave myself like I was like ninety days ninety days if you give everything to this program you put in all the work. And if your life doesn't change, then you can go back out. And so I did that. I kept that promise to myself and I I got got on my steps and I, I got a sponsor right away when I moved up to San Diego. Um, I got into my steps and I I hit the ground running. I started I, I was at hitting at least one to two meetings a day. Um, I was being of service, I was helping others, like I was just I was trying with all earnestness to, you know, stay sober and do the next best directed thing and like my life today is wow like i i have i have five months as of yesterday but like dude like if you would have told me all everything that i have right now like that i would have had it I, w- I wouldn't have believed you like i have an amazing job like i'm working as a barista like and i love it like who would have thought making coffee would have been like brought me joy you know right, right by the uh right by the right ocean by too. the beach in pacific yeah. beach san diego God, it's just real it, lovely dude. just chilling I have like a house that I like, I love and I feel comfortable and I have like brothers in sobriety that, that support me and pick me up when I'm down. Like I, I'm recently, I recently just got off all antidepressants. Like, so I'm just natural now. Like I, 
I, I'm, I'm happy. Like, I honestly can't remember the last time in my life that I felt happy and genuinely just content. Like, that, if, if you were to ask me, like, what I want in life, it's like, there's two things. Like, to leave a lasting leg- legacy and to be content. And, like, I'd never thought I would get to the point where I, I felt content. And, like, right now, like, I'm so content with life. And I just, I, I don't know, I'm blessed. Like, uh, I'd recently just finished my steps. Um, and so, but I got a new sponsor at last week. So I'm going to go through them again more thoroughly. Um, so I just, I'm just putting the work in right now, man. Like, I'm just trying with all earnestness just to stay sober. And, you know, because the enemy wants me, dog. Like, the enemy wants all of us. And um, if we don't stay on our toes and do everything that we have to do, like, the enemy will get us. So like I don't know I've just been just grinding man to be honest and it's it's working for me. Definitely man, definitely. You know that's very powerful right there. What you what you said is that the enemy wants us no matter what, right? And if we're not on our if we're not on our A game, who knows? Who knows when that fleeting thought of maybe I could just smoke weed, you know, maybe I could just drink. You know, like I said, dude, like some people can, but like I've never met them yet. You know, exactly. (laughs) Like I'm still, I'm still waiting. Like it's not like I like I want to go smoke weed and drink, but like you know, I'm still, I'm still waiting for you know. You hear the stories where like you know the addicts are like you know they'd be real bad on speed or something like that, and then they like get a couple years sober, then they start smoking weed and drinking, and like their life's still great. Still waiting for that. Yeah, right. I haven't found it, but in the meantime, like you know, we all we both have to do what we got to do. Yeah, you know, to maintain continuous sobriety, and I think that's huge. That like you know that desperation. It really is, bro. Like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't wish heroin addiction on my worst enemy, but to see that that's what it took for you to finally get that that desperation and that willingness to like, shit, I got to do something different, you know, yeah. and and put 110% in, you know, because you were, you were yeah. great. You were great at bullshitting. Yeah, you 100%, know? dude. You, like the first two times you were sober, like, you know, that I knew you, dude, you, you killed it, like from the outside, Yeah, you know, and, um, but to see that like the the light bulb and the, the switch has, has been flicked is like, it's incredible. And to, to anyone out there who's, who's still struggling too, or like, you know, not sure about the recovery thing, you know, I, I would never wish relapse on anyone, but just use that story that James just, you know, shared as like, do you really want that to be you? Yeah. Right? Seriously. Because who knows, bro, dude, you could have, you know, James could have passed, uh, passed away on the 99, like swerving with the big old box truck, dude, you know, um, he just, by the grace of God, he, you know, he didn't. You know, and all that happened was he lost his job instead of his life. But, you know, if you're struggling, like I said, do you want that to be you? Like, do you do you want that to be on your obituary? You know, yeah. DUI passed out behind the wheel on the 99 and, you know, or any freeway doesn't have to be the 99. Because it's like cause this shit's real. Like somebody that I got really close to when I moved down to San Diego um, that I was like in close quarters with, like he just died. Like, that's how real this addiction that's how real it is like this guy like i was really close with him like he was a really good dude and he went back out and next thing i hear is he's on the highway walking fucked up and he gets hit by a car and he's gone like there's no coming back from that right and and the thing is too i i tell i tell a lot of people who are um you know suicidal in sobriety i tell them i'm like look there's like there's it's one thing taking your own life Right. But just, you know, or, you know, relapsing, thinking that your life isn't worth it. So you relapse it. Then you run the risk of dying. You know, you are affecting everyone in your life. Yep. 
way more than you will ever see and way more than your disease is ever going to tell you too. Because when you're in it, all your disease is going to tell you is like, you're not worth it. You're not good enough. You should just die or you, you're, you know, you're not worth sobriety. Right. Cause I've been there. James yeah. has been there. Like we've all been there. Right. But if you do decide to make that next step and die, you know, or relapse and then die, like you are hurting so many people around you and it's so selfish. Like never, I, I can't remember who told me this, but it's, di- fuck, I'm, I can't shout him out. I don't remember who it was, but so someone someone <laughs> told me. One of my good friends told me that you know, um, don't make a, um, you know, don't use a temporary problem for a permanent as, solution. Yeah, as a way, to, you know, or don't use a permanent solution as a you know to solve a temporary problem. Yeah. Because you know, depression and anxiety, it comes in waves. You know, that hopelessness, not feeling good enough, it all comes in waves. But if you let like a you know, a 30 minute or a day long or a couple day long, you know, depression lull gets you into the mode where you're going to relapse and then you relapse and die or you just take your own life. You're, 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 you're trying to solve a temporary problem with a and like permanent, it, you know, it's not even a solution. Yeah. It's just like a fucking easy, easy way out. And it gets know? better. Like it does. It, I just look at James. Like, like, dude, like, <laughs> it does. I, I couldn't imagine ever being able to say like at this time like time of my life like i'm not depressed i'm not suicidal because i've been depressed and suicidal for the last seven years of my life like and i thought that that's what my life was like i was like there's no getting out of this and like today i'm not i'm not suicidal like i'm not depressed like i don't think about that anymore like and that's a, a huge change like i didn't think it was ever gonna get better like everyone says like you know keep coming back like and i did and it's like working like I, I honestly like it just blows my mind that I don't want to put a bullet through my head right now like and that's just real like so like it does get better like you just have to wait it out yeah wait it out ask for help yes. the two big things you know sometimes you know you ask for help you don't really get the you know you don't really hear what you want to hear what you need to hear but if you just wait it out it always it always works out you know take a nap dude <laughs> that's what I say. Sometimes, dude. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta, like, you know, hang a bunch of blankets on the windows, close, turn the lights off, get complete black darkness, and just go to sleep. You know, sleep. Man. Yeah, sleep is key. Ask for help if you don't get it right away. Take a nap. <laughs> and suggestions, man. Like, take oh, yeah. the suggestions. Like, that's like what. Like, I feel like I, mean, I attribute to like that as a big part, of, like saving my life. Like. Cause I was so arrogant. I was like standing on my soapbox. Like I, I thought I knew everything. And like this time around, like I have to keep reminding myself, like, I don't know shit. Like I really don't. Cause like what I know, like the best thing that I know, like takes me back out. And that's not, it's, it's not going to work for me. I'm going to end up dying. Like I, I've lost too many people to this disease. Like it's, I need to like sh- sit down. I hate, I hate this saying, but like I, I have to take the cotton out of my ears and put it in my mouth. Like I hate that saying, but it's real. And I did that this time, and it's it's working for me so far. There it is, dude. There it is. So, you know, is there anything else you'd like to uh, say to someone who may be struggling, someone who's new, or you know, has some time? And you know, you know, is there anything anything that's been really helping you that you just think that you know that hasn't already been said that you feel like you just need to, you know, need to let them know. Um. The biggest thing, man, is like 
reach out, like ask for help. Cause that's not something that I did in the beginning. And I wish I did because like, I, I don't know. I, like, like I said, like I thought I knew everything and I don't and reaching out for help, it, it, it can save your life. And like, it does get better. Like if you do the next best directed thing, like it will get better. And um, you just have to just have faith, man. Like you have to find a higher power. Like it doesn't have to be like Jesus Christ, like, but find a higher power that works for you because like my higher power works in my life and I see it every day. Like my, I, I pray every night. I pray every morning. Like my spirituality is like, I feel like another thing that's been saving me this time. Cause like before I, I was like, Oh yeah, I believe in God. Yada, yada, yada. Like I did some half ass prayers and then like, I would go to sleep, but it's like now, like I actually pray. And sometimes like the prayers don't have to be all in old English, super complex, but I just like, I just gotta, I don't know. I just gotta reach out and I have to have faith in something that's bigger than me because like at the end of the day, like I'm not that important in the grand scheme of things. So yeah. There it is, dude. That's awesome right there. So thank you, James. Thank you for hopping on the show. Thanks for you having know, this me, was, man. This was, a good, this was a good episode for sure. You know, um, I like to say this at the end of every episode. You know, no matter, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, you are lovable and you are forgivable. So keep that in mind. Keep your head up and keep it moving. Peace. I'm not going to